0: I'd like to welcome our radio audience, station KKVV, 1060 on your radio dial, AM. You are now listening to the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church, located at 1720 North J Street, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89106. If you would like a copy, of the message that you're hearing today or a message that you've heard in the past, please write to us or you may email us at AbundantLifeVideo at Yahoo.com. After our scripture reading by Kelly O'Connor and another message in song by the Abundant Life Mass Choir, the next voice you will hear will be that of Senior Pastor Calvin B. Rock. Hear ye him.
1: Happy Sabbath church. Happy Sabbath. Today's scripture reading will be from Revelation 21, verses 1, 2, and 3. I will be reading from the American Standard Standard Version. Revelation 21, 1, 2, and 3. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first, and, for, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. <laughs> And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. May we have prayer. Dear Lord, we come to you today just hoping um, this, today's scripture reading be a blessing. And Lord, just continue to help us and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Oh ah.
3: boy thank you we are not yet ready for the next series as you know my mind runs in series with these messages we're kinda in between we'll start another one soon but meanwhile I have thought about a few things that I hope you will find educational inspirational and helpful And that you will remember these sermons the one last week on the cross the one today put them in in your bank of memory and let them be i pray of assistance in our christian journey and the choice that i have made today is isaiah chapter 61 and we will begin with verse 1, and I'm going to read three verses there, and this will be the foundation of our message. Isaiah chapter 61, beginning at verse 1. And I'll be reading from the New King James, and you might like to read along quietly there with whatever version you have and again we welcome those who are listening on the radio or in your car or wherever you may be but if you're near your bible please turn to isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 the spirit of the lord god is upon me because the lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim Liberty to the captives now I want you to notice let me pause I want you to notice that this scripture is perhaps the clearest most complete description of what Jesus was coming to do that we find in all the Bible and notice what it says the Spirit of the Lord is upon me this is quoting Jesus prophetically because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. One. Number two, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Number three, to proclaim liberty to the captives. All these things Jesus is saying I'm going to come to do. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planning of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Now, I counted 11 different portraits of Jesus included here, 11 of them. But the one that impresses me most, and I think sort of encompasses and encapsulates all of them, includes all of them, is number two in verse three, where Jesus says he has come to give them beauty for ashes. Beauty for ashes. Now we all know what beauty is, don't we? We know what beauty is. Beauty is that which is pleasing to the senses. It looks good, feels good, tastes good, smells good, sounds good. All these avenues to the brain bring us beauty. And a thing of beauty, a person of beauty, an idea of beauty, even a meal that is beautiful, whatever it is that's beautiful, it's pleasing and it's valuable and it's satisfying but what about ashes Jesus said I am come to bring beauty for ashes now in this modern time we don't deal with ashes very much but when I was a boy and some of the rest of you here, I know, remember, we had to deal with ashes. Can anybody witness to ashes out in the country where you had to put wood in stoves and you had to shuffle a little grate as the coals burned down? And then at the bottom, you had. Now, you don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Anybody know what I mean when I'm talking about ashes? We had to cook with wood and we had to heat. When I was a freshman at Oakwood College, my first job at Oakwood as a freshman student was heating up the buildings. I had to have the dormitories warm and toasty when the girls and the fellas got up in the morning, which means that I had to go to work about 4 o'clock in the morning. And by 10 o'clock in Greek, I was dead asleep. That's why I don't know any Greek, (laughs) Elder. I don't know any Hebrew. But I had to deal with ashes. And I had to bank the ashes sometimes. Sometimes when the coal was burning low, we would pile up the ashes and let them burn slowly. We cooked with ashes. We heated with ashes. But you know... Ashes, finally, in the end, when they have simmered down and burned, ashes are good for almost nothing. Ashes become a powdery residue. Ashes are waste. In fact, I think it's not too much to say that ashes are the lowest form of innate existence. Ashes are lower than dirt. At least you can mix dirt with some other things and get concrete but ashes I don't know what you can do with ashes except in the cold country you can scatter them on the walk and keep from falling maybe or some some kind of use like that it's hard to know what to do with ashes so when the Bible speaks of ashes as concerns the human experience it is really describing the worst things of life. Ashes symbolize tragedy. Ashes in the Old Testament bring to mind human sorrow and disappointment and pain and calamity and grief. Ashes mean sadness and death and mourning, and problems, and trouble, and painful existence, so that in 2 Samuel thirteen nineteen, Tamar, one of the daughters of David, was raped by her brother Amnon. Her father had said, go take him some food. And she went into the room where he was and he grabbed her and he said, come, my sister. And she said, leave me alone. Don't do this awful thing, Amnon. And he said, shut up. And he told the servants to shut the door and took that beautiful virgin and forced her. And when he had forced her, then he despised her and sent her from the room and said, lock the door and don't let her come back in. She went out, the Bible says, and she wept bitterly and she threw ashes on her head in mourning because of the awful thing that happened. Job. In the second chapter the eighth verse when robbed of all of his goods when everything was taken away when his barns and his horses and his cattle and his children when when everything had been removed and he was penniless and there on his last breath his last leg of suffering covered with boils the Bible says from his head to his feet he was scraping trying to scratch his itches with these oozing boils he was so miserable the Bible says that he sat down and tried to commiserate on a pile of ashes and Jeremiah a little later on when told by God that the people of God would suffer from an enemy invasion and that women would be eating their children and that there would be an awful famine and destruction. Jeremiah was so horrified that the Bible says he called out to the people and said, repent and don't just throw up ashes. But Jeremiah said, roll yourselves in ashes. And david in psalm 102 verse 9 when reflecting upon his many trials when reflecting upon all that he'd been through as he had fled from saul and all the trials that he'd had with animals and robbers and troubles out in the wilderness david said i have had a diet of ashes so ashes in the old testament came to represent the worst of human tragedy, of suffering and pain and despair, of individuals and families and groups and nations. And that, brothers and sisters, is exactly what Jesus found when he came to our world. He found a world of ashes. A world suffering from the ashes of Greek and Roman mythology. A world suffering From the rod of cruelty of Rome, the iron country that ruled all nations with bloodshed and war and terror. A world without science, a world where sin had so blunted the mentality of humanity that men and women could not conceive of how to relieve themselves appropriately of pain. And it was a world of open sewers where refuge flowed down the streets. It was a world of helpless hospitals. It was a world with epidemics of blindness and leprosy and insanity. A world in which longevity had been reduced by disease down to a mere 22 years of age so that a person 22 was an old man or an old woman in those days. It was a world when humanity had been reduced to ashes, but that is exactly the way it was when Jesus came. The Trinity had allowed 4,000 years of sins, ravages, to work upon the human mind and body. God had given the devil 4,000 years to let his program work and so after four thousand years it took a long time god had made man and woman so tall and given them such beauty that they did not sink to the dregs and the depths of despair very quickly it took four thousand years to fall from eden down to bethlehem but when jesus came the human race was running out of gas the human race was at low tide And if Jesus hadn't come when he did, pretty soon, the human race would have been extinct because sin would have wiped us out. So he found us in ashes. And Galatians 4.4 says, in the fullness of time, when God had given Satan the opportunity to do his best, and when Jesus could come at the darkest moment, in the fullness of time, Galatians 4.4 tells us, And Hebrews 10, 5 collaborates, a voice was heard in heaven saying, a body thou hast prepared for me. And Jesus came into this world of ashes. Isaiah said a little earlier in the ninth chapter and the second verse that the people who sat in darkness saw great light. They were in gross darkness, he said in the preceding chapter, Isaiah 60. And these people who stumble in ignorance and superstition and disease helplessly, living out their few years on earth, these poor beleaguered people of that generation saw a great light. Jesus came, and as John says, he was a light shining in darkness. And what did he do? He fulfilled the prophecies of Isaiah 61. He opened blind eyes. He loosed the bound tongues. He defrosted the frozen limbs. He unstopped the clogged ears. He restored the leprous flesh. He reversed the crippling diseases and he repaired the scrambled brains and he not only healed physically but he healed psychologically a part of the burden of that day was that the Pharisees had made the people think that their personal sins had brought on their diseases so when Jesus met the blind man in John chapter 9 they asked him healer teacher who is responsible for this man's blindness? This man's blindness. Did he sin and bring this on himself? Or did his parents sin and bring this upon him? And Jesus said, neither. It wasn't just anything he did in particular. But in fact, what his comments really teach us is that it all comes from a choice made by our first parents. It's not that he did this. We're all of us born in a world of sin and grief, a world filled with ashes. And so Jesus told the prostitute, I don't condemn you. You're wrong. But now get up. Go your way and sin no more. And so he told the unpopular Zacchaeus, come down, come down. I'm going to go to dinner at your home. And he told the man at the pool, thy sins be forgiven. Rise, take up your bed and walk. And he told weeping Mary and Martha, dry up your tears. You will see your brother Again. And our prophet Ellen White tells us that he left whole villages without a tear or a tear, without a moan or a groan, without a cry or a sigh. When he left town, all the hospitals were empty and the morticians were out of business because Jesus had been there and he had brought light, he had brought beauty for ashes the people acclaimed and the people rejoiced. it was the greatest period in the history of our world it was the happiest time between Christ's announcement the kingdom of God is at hand and when they turned on him because they wanted not only fish and food they also rejected his message of righteousness but during that time the world saw a great light And Jesus brought beauty for ashes. He healed our diseases and he lifted the heavy burdens of guilt and self-pity that the devil had placed on the human race. He gave us hope. In fact, all of that is a matter of history. And I like the way that John puts it in the 21st chapter of his book matthew mark luke john chapter 21 when he says in verse 24 the last two verses of this book this is the disciple who testifies and john was there he lived with him he watched him he walked and talked and he had this record this is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things and we know that his testimony is true and listen to this And there are also many other things which Jesus did, all right, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So what we know, the beauty that he gave for ashes recorded in his miracles in his sermons are just a little of what he did. But... But listen, that was then, and this is now. So the question becomes, what about today? Does he still bring beauty for ashes? I have come all the way from Southwest Las Vegas in a little place called Rhodes Ranch to tell you today, that this same Jesus who walked beside the sea, this same Jesus who taught in Galilee is alive and well, and he is still in the beauty for ashes business. And we have a lot of ashes in our world today. Ashes in and out of the church. Some of us have the ashes of a failed marriage. We got before the judge, or before the preacher, and it was all beautiful. It was all candlelight and roses, twinkling our toes in the pond, holding hands, sprinkled with perfume and powder with our rosy-colored glasses. Mr. Right and Sister Precious Married together till death do us part. But it all turned to ashes. Misunderstandings, anger, arguments, tension, disaffection, betrayal, cheating, loss of love and affection estrangement, and bitterness, and over a a large percentage of the marriages of America and even in the religious institutions, we can write ashes, bitterness, trouble, ashes. Some of us, with our children, have the kind of trouble that we truthfully must classify as ashes they were born such cute little things such cute little beings such precious obedient little things mommy daddy and by the way those are the most precious words i think i've ever heard Pastor is wonderful, but nothing like daddy. I love those words. Daddy, mommy, and and we have such high hopes and we, we believe that they're going to grow up and be something noble in society, but somewhere along the line, around age, better not say, but somewhere they get on fool's hill and some come down and some keep going. (laughs) And so it all starts, all the trouble, all the tension, all the arguments, all the bitterness, All the estrangement and some leave home and never come back and I've talked to parents even recently who don't know where their children are and others who know but they never make contact and others who make contact and all they have is tension not only between parents and children but between the children themselves and don't let mama and daddy get ready to die Ashes, ashes, all of our hopes blighted by time and circumstance and personality, and we can write over the relationship if we want to tell the truth, ashes. And the same is true with some of our life's ambitions. Some of us, when we were young, we wanted to get educated, we wanted to travel, we wanted to grow up and be something special to contribute to society, but something happened. Something happened along the line. We started having babies maybe earlier than we should have wanted to. Or something else happened. Some, Some man gave us some sweet talk and we believed Mr. Smooth and fell for his line and got us off the track, or maybe it was some sickness, or maybe you had to make an objective decision to go and help your parents. Maybe you had to consciously, objectively give up your dreams in order to take care of your elderly parents or to do some good some other place, and you had to bracket your ambitions and your dreams and your visions and your hopes, and now it's too late, and all you can say of the dreams you once had is ashes, ashes, ashes. For some of us, it's a matter of health. All those doctor visits, doctor's visits, all those pills, all those pains, all those expenses, all of those inconveniences, and maybe it's not even your fault. Maybe it was in the genes. Maybe it's because your family suffers from this kind of thing, as some families do. But there you are. You you would like to do more. You, 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 You would like to be involved. You'd like to be free and healthy, but you look in the mirror and you see yourself and you know what you used to be and what you want to be, but you'll never be, and you have to confess, it's ashes. And for some, it's a matter of just growing old. And if you're fortunate enough to grow old, it'll someday be ashes. That's what Solomon was talking about in Ecclesiastes, young people, when he said, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the almond tree flourishes, that's when the hair turns right. They should be afraid of that which is high. That's when you're scared to, to, to get up in the airplane, when you're scared to get in the elevator the daughters of music shall be brought low that's when your voice starts cracking once a man and twice a child father time and mother nature finally bring us all back to bend toward the ground from which we first came when the limb starts stiffening up and your digestive organs don't function very well And you hear all kinds of sounds down there you never heard before. (laughs) Finally, you were deserted by your manly, womanly beauty and strength. And you look in the mirror and you see lines and, and sagging that you know were not there before. you hold on as long as you can. But finally, finally finally somebody's gotta start taking care of you. Finally. You can't do it anymore by yourself. And you know, there's some people whose, whose bodies wear out, but their minds are still good. And there's some people whose minds wear out and their bodies are still good. Now, I don't know which is best, but I told my wife that if my mind wears out and my body's still good, it's her problem. <laughs> I won't know where I am, I won't know who I am, and if I say the wrong thing, forgive me, I don't mean it. Maybe it's best for both of them to wear out together. But finally, it happens, and we're in that bed, like I visited with the brother just the other day. It's all right. It it happens. But, But there, when you look at the body that was once robust and strong, and now it's down to 95 75 pounds and the person is scratching their head trying to remember who you are and talking things that aren't right talk, talking off the wall and not making sense and it, it and you look around all you can say is thank god for old age but finally if you're fortunate it's ashes the residue Residue and all that's left of once was. And finally, there is the ashes of death. And I don't mean just death and old age, that's not the only ashes that life deals us, but there's death anytime. Death that strikes our homes and our hearts that removes our loved ones and friends and that's why the wise man said in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 all is vanity in the final analysis and a living dog is better than a dead lion yes these are the ashes of life but. Jesus said, I will give you beauty for these ashes. I will give you beauty for these ashes. And he will, and he can, and he does. And how does he do it? First of all, he uses our ashes of calamity to get our attention. He uses our ashes of calamity to get our attention. That's what happened with Nebuchadnezzar. Remember, he's the one that went out in his pride and preening and walked around and said, is not this great Babylon that I have built? And God said, all right, brother Nebuchadnezzar, I'll show you from whence cometh the power. And chapter four says he had to eat grass like an ox and he was clawing on all fours with wild instincts or wild tendencies for seven times, seven years, prophetically speaking. And when God brought him out of his animal condition, you know what he did? Well, let me read it to you, show you how God works. When finally Brother Nebuchadnezzar Well, let's call him Nebuchadnezzar when he went down. He was brother when he came out. All right? Finally, when he came out of this, verse 34 of Daniel 4 at the end of the time, this is Nebuchadnezzar testifying, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. He was converted. I expect to see nebuchadnezzar in glory if i make it he's already made it i do believe and he wouldn't have made it except that god had to take the ashes he had to give him a diet of ashes in order to get his attention listen to what ellen white says the book desire of ages page 300 the tears of the penitent are only the raindrops that precede the sunshine of holiness this sorrow heralds a joy which will be a living fountain to the soul through you through affliction god reveals to us the plague spots in our character that by his grace we may overcome our faults so god uses our ashes to get our attention and to bring us to repentance he uses our ashes to reveal to us our needs and to help us to develop spiritual graces. Look at the book of Romans. I'm talking about beauty for ashes. Why does God permit these disappointments and this suffering? Look at Romans 5, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through Our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, verse 3, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations in our ashes, if you please, knowing that tribulation, ashes, if you please, produces perseverance and perseverance character. Why does God give us ashes? Why does God allow the ashes? Because they work patience and character and hope. God makes ashes into beauty by using our hard experiences to develop trust in him and patience and reliance and faith. And then he uses our ashes of trouble as a means of inspiring others. What happened with Job was that when he had come through all of his bitter experiences, his friends were inspired and Job's patience in suffering helped them to be saved. Do you know the way you and I come through our sicknesses and our trials and our disappointments, the way we manifest faith and confidence in God and patience and the way we grow in our ashes experience God often uses to help somebody else to make it and when he sees you and when he sees me when he sees us bearing our burdens patiently and not becoming agnostics and atheists and not giving up but hanging in there and he sees us growing in our ashes experience others are benefited it's like the painter that i heard about once This famous artist who began to paint before a crowd of people in his studio and he had this beautiful white clean clear canvas and he picked up his pen his brush to paint and a ugly drop of black paint spattered on the clean canvas and the audience gasped it's all ruined they thought but then the artist Wiped off the brush and picked up some other brushes and colors and around that ugly Incidental accidental spot or blotch. He began to draw figures and lines and Before long had made a beautiful picture out of that ugly accident and That's what God does for you and me He takes our ashes our horrible, heart-rending, soul-wrenching bitterness and disappointments, not only in others but in ourselves. A lot of times we bring on our own ashes. God, if we ask him to, will take those bitter divorces he will take those bitter experiences with our children he will take those bitter illnesses those losses that we experience he will take his deft artistry and make of them something lovely so that you and i can help others and ourselves be better prepared for the kingdom but somebody asks, what about olu let me tell you about olu Olu came to the United States from Nigeria about 11 years ago. He left his wife and three children, this is a true story, and uh, went to work down at Loma And all the time he was sending money back home to get his family to come here. His wife reared the children. And finally, after 10 years, Olu was successful in getting the other four members of his family to the United States. I know, or knew Olu, visited my home right here. He's a good friend of the family, chauffeured my mother here more than once. And when Olu picked up his family at the airport, the first place he stopped was at my mom's house. He wanted her to see his family even before he took them to the new home he had purchased for them. Oldest daughter was about to get married. Next boy, the next child was in college, the younger fellow in high school. And surely enough, after a few months, they all went back to Nigeria. The girl got married, they all came back. And two weeks ago, Olu was on his job happy, worker in the church, big member of Operation Reachback, doing all he could. He sat up in his chair and stood up to move and sat back down and said, I hurt. And before anybody could reach him, dead. Olu is gone. Hadn't seen his wife and children in 10 years. Just gotten them here. What about Olu's of life? What about What about those preachers and what about those four Adventist preachers in that little airplane in Georgia a few years ago going to a religious appointment? What about them when they got in that little plane, all four of them were officers of the Georgia Cumberland Seventh-day Adventist Conference? And the plane falls, and they all die, wiped out the whole conference office, except one man whose wife called him at the last minute because of some car trouble and he missed the plane. What about the four preachers? What about Georgia Lassiter? You don't know the name, but I remember her, I'll never forget. Beautiful young woman, sang like a mockingbird, lovely Christian woman, didn't hurt anybody, single, unmarried. Giving her life to God? What about poor Georgia Lassiter riding down the freeway in Los Angeles, minding her business, and somebody drunk leaps over the medium and crashes and wipes her out? What about Olu's? What about the preachers? What about Georgia? Can God bring beauty (laughs) from those ashes? What about that young lady whose funeral I preached a few years ago in, in, at Pine Forge? Little Miss Jones just gotten a master's degree out trying to make her way in the corporate world, backing out of her driveway and a huge, in the ice, and a huge truck plows into her and wipes her out so badly they couldn't even open the coffin. Can God bring beauty from those ashes? The truth is, we can't explain it. And I always tremble when I hear preachers at funerals trying to explain what happened. Some things you can't explain. But the truth is, That even though we are tempted to doubt in such experiences as these the truth is that Jesus is able to bring beauty from even those ashes but you say wait a minute how is he gonna do that they're not even here anymore he can't give them any beauty and how can there be beauty for the mournful survivors well let me explain number one Jesus brings beauty from even these ultimate experiences of life because when we look to him, the first thing we recognize is that he did not create sin and death and he is not responsible. That's number one. He's not responsible. The second thing that we want to remember when we look at Jesus is that were it not for his love and his protection, we'd all have been wiped out long time ago. Now, why he lets some folk get wiped out and you and I stay is the mystery that we'll have to question in eternity. We don't know. But we have to have faith to believe that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. Even if it wipes out our children and our spouses and our friends, we have to humbly submit to the will of god if it's not his direct will his permissive will and believe that he has a purpose and remember the statement of the prophet that says in the kingdom when we look back at our lives we would not wish to be led any other way than we have gone and that even if we've taken wrong directions god is able to bring us beauty from ashes The final thing that we know when we look at Jesus is that he himself suffered more unfairly than any human being could ever imagine. He left the beauty of heaven, he left beauty for ashes, he left the beauty of glory for the ashes of our world and he suffered here the ashes of misunderstanding by his parents. That was ashes. When he had to say to his parents, wish ye not that I be about my father's business, he couldn't even get them to understand. He was lonely as a child and he was rejected as a man. Oh yes, they spread palm leaves and shouted Hosanna because they wanted the fish and the loaves. And when he told them to drop their sins and keep the commandments and keep the Sabbath right, when he told the Pharisees, you whited sepulchres, you are oppressing the people, when he brought beauty to the poor and he opened the eyes of the blind, not only the physical blind, but when he opened the spiritual eye, So that men and women in the awful condition to which he came could see that there was beauty beyond that this life is not the end that nobody asked to come here everybody here today is here because of somebody else's decision you and i are not here because we ordained it we're here because nature brought us here And unless Jesus comes real soon, nobody will get out of here alive. Yeah. But when we remember that Jesus suffered, everything we go through, he's already been through. And more, he suffered the ashes of abuse at his trials. He suffered the ashes of desertion by his disciples. He suffered the ashes of pain and mockery on the cross. You haven't been there yet, have you? He became a curse, Galatians 3:13. He took our place on Calvary. Yes, he brings beauty for all ashes, and that was the ultimate at Calvary because he gave us his riches for our rags his blood for our blunders his righteousness for our wretchedness his holiness for our helplessness his robe of perfection to save us from divine rejection his beauty his beautiful life for our sinful existence and when he left he said i will return and when he does he's going to wake up the sleeping saints no matter how tragically they left He's going to bring them up. He's going to bring beauty from the ashes. And at the end of 1,000 years, during the millennium, during which we're going to be looking at the books, and while we're looking at the books, one of the things we're going to be doing is seeing how that even in our problems, God had a purpose. Don't try to figure it all out now. You can't figure it all out now. But you'll have 1,000 years to check it out. (laughs) You'll have a thousand years to figure it out. And as you see how God has led all the way, what we're going to cry is, holy, 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 worthy is God. Praise his name. I didn't know that's why he let that happen. He had a purpose all the time. Praise him. And we'll sing the song of Moses and the Lamb. And then at the end of the 1,000 years, when he shall have resurrected the wicked in the second resurrection, and they go up to take city, the city that's coming down, the city New Jerusalem. My Bible says in Revelation 20 that he's going to rain down fire. And Peter reminds us in 2 Peter 3, 10 and 11, that the earth will melt with a fervent heat. Ah, yes, God's going to make some some real ashes. The earth will melt with a fervent heat. Malachi 4, of the first few verses say that the devil will be burned up, that he's going to destroy sin, root, that's the devil, and branches, that's his followers. He's going to make ashes, and then he's going to speak the magic words. And when he speaks the magic words, this world of sin, which has been broken out with all of the evils that afflict us, with all of the devil and all of his angels and followers, this world that has for 6,000, yea, then 7,000 years been festering in evil, God's going to speak the magic words. And this world will blossom forth beautiful and pure and clean and holy and perfect, just like he intended to be from the Garden of Eden. He will. Bring beauty for ashes. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we live in a world of sin and trouble, a world of sorrow and suffering. And there are times, Lord, when we are tempted to give up, to doubt, to grow faint along the way. But thank you for Jesus, your Son, who has brought us beauty for ashes, and in whom we place our hope today. Now Lord, there's some people here who are going through some things you only know. They haven't even told the pastors and the elders. Some people may not have told their spouse or their children. but whatever it is, I pray, Lord, that you will speak to them today, give them comfort give them beauty for ashes, give us all patience, give us all trust and faith, and may we lift above the problems and trials of this world and hang on to your omnipotent hand. And ere I finish this prayer, my appeal is this to you. I don't want to know what you're going through, if I can help, you know how to reach me, but that's not what I'm about at this moment. But if you're going through something or the other, maybe I touched on your problem, maybe I didn't. Doesn't matter. But if the principle is clear and you want God to bring more beauty, if you want to see the beauty and trust God, and if you want him to bring you through and to help you to be faithful, just stand to your feet. If you've got something going on that You want special prayer for before I finish? Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. Maybe you don't have anything special, that's all right. Pray for the rest of us. But if you know what I'm talking about, stand and get a special. place in this prayer father here we stand you know what's in the heart you know why i pray that you will give strength to your children fulfill your promise lord fulfill your promise we believe help thou our unbelief give every boy girl man or woman to whom this message is applicable that special strength He or she may need and you may be seated now please the other part of my prayer my appeal and that is to the man or woman here today who is not a member of the church and you would like to stand and say listen listen i want to be amongst those who'll be looking at the books during those thousand years of the millennium And therefore, I want to give my life completely to him. I want to obey all ten of his commandments, including the Sabbath. So I'm raising my hand right now to say, count me in before this prayer closes. Count me in. I want to be those to whom God gives beauty for ashes. Everlasting life for this sinful Treacherous existence we have in this world. I want beauty for ashes. Would you raise your hand right where you are the ushers have a little slip to put in your hand? Put your name there. We'll be in touch. All right. Little fellow in the back there. Let him have it. Who else? Our boys and girls we welcome them to who else? Our father in heaven. Thank you for the promises of your word. Thank you for Jesus, who alone brings beauty for ashes. Seal your word in our hearts, make it as seed in good soil. In Jesus' name we pray, let all the people say, Amen.